Thank you everyone for coming to uh, listen to my testimony. And I'm reminded of Revelation 12:11, where it says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And so everyone here has a testimony. Amen? Amen. Amen. And the greatest testimony, I think, comes from those who don't believe they actually have one, those who grew up in the church and are still in the church and are faithful to God. So you have a testimony. Uh, my message is called From Trials to Triumph, From Atheist to Atheist. Well, um, if you would have asked me in my youth, I would have said that I was an atheist. Uh, now, that's a very strong statement in itself. It's a concrete, absolute statement. Uh, but looking back now at where I'm at, uh, I don't think that that's a possible statement. And the reason I say that is because in order to be a true atheist, to truly be an atheist, you'd have to know all things, be in all places at all times. Because in order to be an atheist, you have to make an absolute statement that there is no God. And as a human being, that's impossible. You can't make that absolute statement. So it's really just a belief that there's no God. So the closest one can come to an atheist is an agnostic. You just don't know. An atheist, really, you're struggling with just the idea of God, and you really, you really are probably angry with God. So I would have said I was an atheist, but I wasn't truly an atheist. I wasn't mad at God. I did have a hard life, which I'll get into a little bit. Um, maybe not as hard as uh, Talik, but you know, we all have our struggles, and we all deal with those differently. So a little bit about myself. Um, my childhood was tough. My parents fought my whole life. And they argued. They, there was physical and verbal abuse. And that's just to keep it, keep it light. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Um, but you know, it was difficult going home. I wouldn't say that home was a place of refuge for me. Uh, people feel comfortable coming home. They spend time with their parents. They, they feel like they can be themselves at home. Uh, that was not how my life was. My life was, uh, it was a dark, dark place. Literally, it was dark. Uh, my dad had this sensitivity to light, and so it was a dark place. So even when you walked in, you could just feel the darkness. You could see the darkness. That's what my life was like. And um, can you guys hear me okay? So I don't think I'll use the mic. I think they can hear me just fine. Um, and so uh, coming home was just not a place I would like to be. When, um, when I was growing up, um, like I said, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I had no idea about religion. The closest thing I came to it was what I watched on television. Television made religion a mockery, and that's just kind of how I looked at religion. I feel like they want to... Oh, you can't hear me. Okay, well then I will get mic'd up, I guess. Okay, where is this lapel coming from? No, but that's not connected to the room. This one is. Yeah. Is what I'm asking. Where did that one come from? Oh, that's, oh, this, that's our recorder. Oh, okay. Sorry. There you go. Okay. Can you guys hear me now? Much better? Okay. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, I try to avoid mics because I don't like to hear myself talk as much. <laughs> but that's all right. Um, where I leave off? Yeah, so I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I had no idea about religion. Only thing I saw was what was on television. And um, my dad was not the easiest person to get along with. My mom, on the other hand, was my sanity. Uh, she is a kind, gentle, loving person, 
patient, humble, meek, like every aspect of the fruits of the Spirit she exemplified. And she wasn't, in my mind, a Christian. She was just a, a very loving person. And so she was the reason I was able to, I think, keep my sanity. And my dad used to call her my defense attorney, which I believe she was. And uh, that's okay. I needed it. Um, but in, in Exodus 34, verse 7, it says that God would visit his sins to the third and fourth generation. And, you know, when I first read that verse, as I began reading the Bible, I thought, this is so strange. God is going to visit sins upon children that didn't actually do these things? And as I thought about it, uh, it made sense to me. It wasn't because the children themselves were suffering from what their parents did. It, it's not like necessarily the, the lifestyle issues where if your parents are di a diabetic, you know, you may be pre-diabetic at an early age. No, what I learned was that the reason the sins could carry down to the third and fourth generation is because typically you're raised up the way your parents were raised up, and they were raised the way their parents were raised. And you have this cycle of perpetual darkness that just keeps carrying down. And so your, your children are going to suffer the same things that you suffer with. So if you don't nip it while you're young, when you get married and have children, you're going to end up passing those same things down to your kids. And that's what my life was like. My dad had a rougher child than I did, a rougher childhood than I did. He, did, he would tell me stories that I won't repeat that I just couldn't believe that he actually went through these things. So in hindsight, my dad was much better than his dad, but he still had his own troubles. And so I knew in his heart he didn't like who he was. He had repeatedly ch wanted to change. And, you know, there was times when light would shine through the dark clouds that surrounded him, uh, but those weren't as, as often as I'd hoped. But one thing I learned from that, and this is something that God showed me, is that my, even though my dad would have these uh, streaks of anger, you know, he, he used to have something called the war face, and I laugh at that now because it just sounds so ridiculous, but he could, he could literally go from zero to 60 in a heartbeat. I mean, he had this face of terror, and I don't know, he tried to teach it to me. He said he avoided a lot of fights by having this war face. He could just look someone square in the eye, they could be twice his size, and they would step down because he had this, just this fear in his eyes. And that was my childhood, and so he's trying to teach me this. And I could never get it down. I'm like, I'm like a nice person, you know, so it didn't, it didn't work for me. And so uh, he just kind of gave up on that. But what I noticed was is that when he would have these spouts of anger, um, he would come back and ask for forgiveness. He would say, I'm sorry, son. You know, this isn't who I, I didn't mean to do that. I, I'm sorry, you know. And this would happen time after time after time after time after time after time. And I forgave him freely. It was almost like the norm. I know he doesn't really mean it, but I'm going I'm to forgive him. And so when people read verses like 1 John 1, 9, where if, if, we, for, if we ask for forgiveness, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Or in um, Micah 7, 18, who is a God who can pardon sins and forgive the transgressions of his inheritance? Who is a God that can forgive so greatly? For me... This wasn't a hard thing to accept. I mean, a lot of people struggle with these verses, like, I've gone too far. God has taken, God is not going to forgive me. But this wasn't hard for me to accept. I've forgiven my dad so many times for what he did to me. How could I forgive more than God? Right? How could I forgive more than God can forgive? So when I read that God's forgiving, well, where did the forgiveness come from within me? 
I didn't, why would I want to forgive someone? Clearly God gave that to me, that ability to forgive. And if he gave that to me, clearly he has more abundance to forgive others. So this was a little bit about myself. Um, when I was 19 years old, my parents somehow became religious. Uh, it was really out of nowhere, and I still don't really quite understand how that happened. They were talking about the Bible. They were reading their Bible. They were watching biblical things on television. They were praying. They were going to church. And to me, this was like a hobby. I thought, wow, this is interesting. What brought this upon? But I, I didn't care. I was 18 years old, uh, moved out instantly as soon as I could, did not want to be at home. And they had tried in their past to improve their relationship. You know, as any couple does, there's times where you argue and you don't get along very well and there's fighting and you want to you want to improve and this was back and forth they threatened to get divorced so many times and it just was it, just, it was never long-lasting but when they started going to church it became long-lasting longer lasting I should say and so I thought well this is interesting this must be something related to this hobby of theirs you know what's this whole religion thing about and so my 19th birthday although I just kind of thought about it in the back of my mind they bought me a Bible, and I opened it up. I remember Christmas Day, my mom was super excited to give me this one present. I was thinking, wow, what is it? I'm a very functional person. I don't like, I don't like things that are going to be useless, like clothes. I like toothpaste. I like toothbrushes. I like to use what I'm going to get a gift for. So I'm thinking, what is she so excited about? And she, and she gives me the gift, and I open it up, and it's a Bible. And I'm, to me, I describe it as like the ugly sweater. I kind of feel obligated to wear this thing, right? You give me a Bible. I, I'm not going to read it, and I have to be excited. Thank you, you know? And so I put it on the shelf, and it sat there for about a year. No interest in reading it. Time time had passed, and now I was in a job where I had kind of strange hours. Hours that allowed me to spend time, you know, watching TV late at night, because all my friends were out doing other things, and I wasn't nearby them at the time. And so this book sat on my shelf, and I decided, I'm going to wipe off the dust. I'm going to check it out. My mom said to read uh, the book of Matthew. So I found it. You know, I didn't grow up in the church. I had no idea. Read read the book of Matthew. Really interesting stories. Uh, To me, that's all they were, though. Interesting stories. Um, It didn't take any insights, but, you know, I like a good story. And so I read Matthew, and I said, this is strange. I'm reading a book in the middle. It's not the way it's designed. I I mean, I appear to figure that out. I, I started reading Genesis. Anyway, uh, I decided to read it from the beginning, and I didn't want any input on what this book had to say. And I'll tell you why. How many of you have grown up Adventist? Okay. Okay, so I hadn't grown up Adventist. I actually hadn't even heard of Adventist. But, <laughs> uh, but um, I did know there was a lot of religions out there, and I did know there was a lot of Christian religions out there, how can there be so many different religions from reading the same book? How many, how many times do you read, tell someone who reads, you know, uh, I don't know, The Old Man of the Sea or, you know, Hemingway and, and says, oh, no, I took something totally different away from that book. Uh, no, no, the, the guy doesn't live, he dies. Oh, no, he, you know, you don't get like different stories or different perception of, of what the book says. You all come to the same conclusion. He lived, he died, he saved, he, he was lost, whatever. How can people read the same book come to different conclusions? So to me, I just like, I don't want anyone else's opinion about what this book says. 
And there was a secondary reason for that. My parents argued about what the book said. And they were trying to tell me what the book said. And they couldn't even agree amongst themselves. So if I'm going to read this, I want to come to my own conclusions. For the sake of a good conversation, if I'm going to ever talk to someone, I'll have a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I would have a uh, intellectual understanding that at least carry on a conversation. And I can say, well, this is what I read. And so I read it. And I can say I didn't understand it. I mean, a lot of people here, you grew up Adventist, you had, diff- you had the information shared with you, how, how the scriptures would be understood, and that's wonderful. Um, I took some things away, but I wouldn't say that I knew all the- I could understand the doctrines, and I became a Seventh-day Adventist because I just knew the doctrines. No, actually I didn't, but there was a few things that stuck out to me. Three specific topics. One, hellfire. Two, Sabbath. And three, um, the state of the dead. These things I didn't understand, you know. You go to heaven when you die, or why do people go to church on Sunday, and if a God is loving, why does he burn people forever? And so I had these questions, and I finally asked my mother. She had no idea I was reading it. As a matter of fact, I was so discreet, uh, when I came home, I remember one time she walked in on me as I was reading on my bed, and I still, I still kind of laugh to this day, she doesn't remember this, but I, I'm laying on my bed, and I'm, re- I'm reading it, and I'm, you know, I'm all into the book, and I hear her coming. I hear the door opening, like she's coming in quickly, and I throw the covers over the bed. I didn't want her to know I was reading it. And I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, around my age, what was she thinking I was looking at, right? So it's like this double embarrassment. I don't want her to know I'm reading the Bible, but I'm thinking, I'm not really looking or doing what you think I'm doing. This is so strange to me. Like, I'm hiding the, this Bible from my mom, and she's the one that wants me to read it, you know? And so I didn't want anyone's opinion. And so I asked her my question, Mom, what, 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 why would God have a place where people burn forever and ever? And why do you go to church on Sunday? And she gave me her answers. And they were the kind of answers you would expect to get. You know, if you ask someone who didn't go to church on Sabbath and you, and you talk to someone who believed in eternity believing in hell, you're going to get the same responses you would think. I wasn't satisfied with those responses. So I had a friend named Stephen. And Stephen was... Uh, a friend of mine since I was nine years old. I'm about 25 now. So five, about five years to read the Bible, had questions. Uh, I'm, and I should tell you a little bit, little bit more about myself. When I moved out, um, I made friends, and I got involved in a lifestyle that I definitely would not recommend to anyone. You know, I was doing drugs. I was drinking. Uh, I was going to parties. Girls were my 90%. Everything that I was doing in my life was revolved around okay, is this going to help me get this particular girl or whatever? And this was my mindset. And so now I'm 25, and I'm, I'm still in this mindset, but I'm also struggling with a spiritual interest. And so I have a friend, and he grew up across the street from my grandfather. I've known him since I was nine years old. He was a Seventh-day Adventist. And I would have never guessed. Not because he wasn't a kind person, not because he didn't go to church on Saturday, but he was doing the same things I was. He was drinking out with me, he was going to clubs with me, we, you know, we were talking about the same things. But he was a really nice guy. I mean, that's the one thing, that's the reason I talked to him about it. He was a very nice guy. I knew if I asked him the stupidest question ever that he would be so kind to me. He wouldn't make me feel dumb, he would respond. And so I decided, oh, I'm going to ask my friend Stephen, what exactly does the Bible say about this? 
And he's, he's the same age as me, but I knew he was a nice guy, so I wanted to get a, just an opinion. Little did I know how well he actually knew his Bible. He answered my questions remarkably. And then that led to more questions, which led to more answers. And they were great, and this just got the ball rolling. So we were just dialoguing, talking about religion for a long time. So one thing I want you guys to take away, uh, be kind to those who, who ask questions. Honestly, no matter how bad the question is, just take it slow. Don't expect them to know anything, even if you think they grew up in the church, because, yeah, they, they most likely don't know as much as you wish they would. And so this led to formal Bible studies. Um, the friends that I made in those Bible studies became my tight unit. And if, if you have a Bible study group, if you ever attended one, that little tight Bible study group will become your closest friends because you have so much in common with them. You have invested time with them. You, you've grown together. You've learned together. You relate well together. This is, those kind of friendships are built upon something bigger than just like-minded beliefs in sports or school or girls or guys or hobbies or whatnot. It's built upon Christ, and that's the foundation of your friendship. And so those links that you build, those chains, those bonds, those are going to be the people you go to in times of confusion, struggle, strife. Those are the people that are going to build you up. So if you don't have friends like that, you need to make them, okay? And so this little tight Bible study group, we studied every Friday night. Now, at this time, I was working in a, in a new job. I, had, I was in a job where I was making a, a lot of money, uh, and that job died out. So I was in this limbo where I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I just started a new job. And I decided, I'm going to go back to school. So I just started this new job. I told them right from the beginning, I need two days a week off. I'm planning to go to school. And they said, that's fine. Two weeks after I just got that job, we did a Bible study on the Sabbath. This was like the fourth or fifth study that we did as a group. And, you know, I fought that study tooth and nail. Even though I was already kind of thinking that it doesn't make sense to go on a Sunday, this... the actually accept the Sabbath for what it really is, it's a big deal. Especially if you grew up in the public school where you learned about evolution. To think that God created in seven literal days and that I'm supposed to not only just acknowledge that, I have to change my entire life and build it around taking off this day and dedicating it to God? Was I fully convinced that there was a God enough to risk everything and lose my job, future jobs, was I convinced? And so I fought it tooth and nail, honestly. I brought up all the verses that I, I, I knew. I mean, I'd read the Bible. You may study with someone who um, just says, well, my pastor said this, or, well, you know, how come the church does that? No, no, I actually read the Bible. I knew all the verses, well, I knew most of the verses that they use to support Sunday sacredness. I brought those up. I brought up everything, the calendar. I brought up everything I could think of to refute this idea that there's truly a Sabbath, and I'm supposed to keep it. But at the end of the study, I was fully convinced. And when I'm fully convinced, I'm fully committed. That's just how I am. I will argue with you to the ground, and it's a bad habit. I'm, I'm, I grew up in a household that that's how we functioned. And I'm, I'm still letting go of that habit. 
but I fought it tooth and nail and to the point where I was without argument. So now I'm in this situation. I have to keep the Sabbath. I just started this job. Okay, so I need Tuesday off. I need Thursday off. And now I, because of the job, the nature of the job, I had to work nights too sometimes. And it wasn't like I could just do morning or nights. It was either you need the whole day off or you couldn't, or you basically need the whole day off in order to take half the day off. So I need Tuesdays off. I need Thursdays off. I need Fridays off. I need Saturdays off. I just started this job. I'm going to lose my job. That was basically the mindset. Okay, well, thank you for the job. Appreciate it. But I'm, I already understand. You're not going to let me have my <laughs> four days out of seven off. And so I go to my job, and I write them a nice email. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was great. Um, but I've been convicted of the Sabbath, and I explained what that was. And if you can't work around my schedule, I completely understand. I don't mean to inconvenience you. He, they, they pull me aside, and they say, um, well... You know, we don't normally do this, but we're going to let you keep your job. We're going to work on your schedule. Wow. Praise the Lord, right? I got to keep my job. That was like a testimony that God is real, right? Praise the Lord. That's, my, that's one experience. Um, I kind of went off track, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so as I was... As I was uh, learning these new faiths, uh, right, right from the get-go, I started learning about the health message. And for me, health was already important. I loved being healthy. I loved exercise. I loved eating good. What I thought was good, you know, I ate chicken, you know, I ate tuna. Um, I avoided saturated fats, you know, that, that was what I thought was good. And so now, I have, now you're telling me I got to be vegan, right? Okay. And the interesting thing was, I learned this on my own. I learned about the health message through a set of videos that I had um, started watching. And so these health videos were like, okay, this makes total logical sense, be vegan. Well, my little tight group, my chain of friends that I had made, they weren't vegan. They weren't even vegetarian, some of them. And I'm being convicted, I'm supposed to be vegan. So I'm like, okay, I'm convinced. So what does that mean? I'm committed. So I'm vegan. I'm going vegan. I'm going to go hardcore. All right. And not only, and when I'm committed, I'm serious. Like, I will look at the menu, the bread. Is there egg in that bread? I'm not eating it. Okay, I got to get, I'm going to get lettuce wraps. I'm, I'm going to do all this. So when we and our friends were going out to eat, I'm vegan. They're barely vegetarian. And I'm the converted Christian. And you know what they're doing? Are they saying, wow, Reed, that is so, that's so amazing. How strong of you to do that. How committed. I'm, I am encouraged to follow you. Is that what they were doing? No. They were making fun of me. They were telling me, you know, you don't need to do that. Oh, it's so dumb. And they'd eat their food and they'd, mm, so good. You're missing out. Mm, you know, just trying to really, I don't know why they were doing this. I, I think they were just convicted on their own, but they didn't want to let go themselves. And so I'm already committed, so I'm going to stay true. And so time went by, months and months and months. They never came around. I think it took almost a full year before they actually committed to being vegan. So I was able, through my committed uh, decision to stay faithful, was able to even bring out them into further light. So my testimony for you is that, or my encouragement to you is, Stay faithful. It may take months, it may take years, 
but they're going to look at you and say, wow, that person really believes what they're saying. They're committed. And that commitment will follow you wherever you go. You're going to be, you may be known as that weirdo who doesn't eat this or that, or, you know, they're a uh, Jesus freak. I mean, you hear all kinds of terms nowadays, but those are, the, those are the things that you get recognized for. Well, praise God. That's a good thing to be recognized for. So now I am, um, I'm vegan. I'm studying every Friday night for almost two hours. Why for two hours? Because I, <laughs> with everything that they were teaching me, I would fight it because I needed to understand how they believe it so fervently. How do they know that this was really what the Bible said? And if I couldn't teach it, I wouldn't believe it. And that was, my, that was basically how I thought. So two years go by, studying every Friday night. We went through every doctrine, every single doctrine, and I hadn't got baptized yet. I realized within about a year that I was, be, I was more Adventist than the people I was going to church with. You know, I'm going to church, and I'm going to Sabbath school. I'm, going, I'm hearing the messages from the pulpit, and I'm realizing, this isn't what I'm learning. I'm studying Daniel. I'm going through the 2300 days. We're talking about the three angels' message. We're talking about coming out of Babylon. I go to church, and this is like, this isn't, this isn't what I'm learning. This is so boring. This isn't like the messages I'm hearing. I'm so disappointed. I'm, I'm really disappointed. You understand. I'm like excited to be sharing. I'm on a job. I'm telling everybody. Anytime where I had an opportunity to share, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, nothing. You know, I'm just going to go hang out with my friends, going to go to a party. I already know what they're going to say. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, that's so awesome you'd ask. Yeah, I'm going to church on, on Sabbath. What's Sabbath? Oh, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you. Oh, Friday night? Bible study. Two hours. You got to understand. Like this, I'm excited. I'm telling everybody. And I'm, getting, I'm, I'm talking for, for hours with people. I mean, this, was, this is like what I'm, what I'm doing. And I go to church and it's not like that. Uh, I'm, I'm not getting that fire rekindled. I, I'm only getting it from Bible study. And so I realized... I can't go to church and get fed. I'm not going to get it there. It's personal time with Jesus. And so, two years go by, I finally get baptized. And the reason I didn't get baptized is because I wanted to know everything the church believed before I finally committed to saying, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Because another thing I realized is that if you tell someone, and I'm not saying not to do this, but this is how I thought. If you tell someone you're a Seventh-day Adventist, like, oh, uh, you know, you could tell someone, oh, you know, actually that God doesn't burn people forever. And they're going to eventually ask you, oh, what church do you go to? Or what religion are you? Right when you say that, wall goes up. Wall goes up because you just basically told them, I believe this because of my church. And I could tell this already. I mean, I talk to people, I'm Mormon. It's like they committed to this, they were committing to this, uh, this organization. And so I did not want to commit to an organization. They'd say, well, re what religion are you? I'm Christian. Where do you go to church? Um, well, I go to church where I'm, I'm finding the most truth, and that happens to be the Seventh-day Adventist church, but I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist. But then I realized, you know, why am I, why am I so hesitant on actually saying I'm a Seventh-day Adventist? It should be a thing I'm proud of. You guys heard of Joe Cruz before? Joe Cruz? He says something I thought was the coolest thing. Um, people ask him, well, what church do you go to? And he stands up all tall, all stout, and he says, well, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, right? I don't mean to brag. And so it's really something we should be proud of. 
we have this message that's so amazing, but we're kind of hesitant on sharing it, right? Uh, yeah, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. It's like, they're going to think I'm a cult. They're going to think this and that. They're going to think this and that. Well, really, what they want to know is what you know. And if you know Jesus, and you can share with the Bible, with the, share from the Bible what that says about Jesus, then you're going to be able to win them over. So, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a new Christian. I'm learning these things. I'm, I'm trying to understand how to witness to people. So I finally get baptized. And um, I'm vegan. Great, you know. I'm coming to the truth. I learned about Advent Hope. Advent Hope, Audioverse, these two things together uh, exponentially grew my faith. Exponentially. So if you don't know Audioverse, you really need to learn it. You should be on Audioverse all the time. Powerful sermons. <clears throat> All right, so now I'm going to share with you, that was just some background. Now I'm going to share with you the reason why they actually asked me to speak. Uh, uh, although it's wonderful, praise the Lord, that I am an Adventist, they wanted me to talk about um, a way that I used my faith to, to be strong and to trust God and be faithful. So, <clears throat> about nine months ago, my dad died. He died suddenly, unexpectedly. He did not have the best health, but his health was not the primary cause of his death. So I'll leave it at that. <clears throat> he, uh, he had his memorial service, or my mom had started planning his memorial service, and she asked me. And I've been talking to her about my religious convictions. I'm talking to everybody about it. Trust me, she's heard the same three, same, the same three topics I don't know how many times. We've gone through them over and over again. I feel like we're making circles. But it's just she doesn't want to let go. So she knows where I stand on a lot of topics. And she asked me, do you want to speak at your dad's memorial service? Um, no, Mom. I don't. I don't want to share anything. And I didn't want to, it's not that I didn't want to share. I just didn't want to share about my relationship with my dad. And I didn't want to share about my dad. I just didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to get emotional up there. I didn't want to get, you know, angry if any of these feelings came up. I didn't want to just talk. I didn't feel the need to share with anyone about my dad. <clears throat> but she was very persistent, and she said, you know, I really would like you to share. <clears throat> and I said, well, what do you want me to talk about? She said, whatever you want. And so, okay, what do I want to talk about? Well, I'm going to talk about the same thing I talk to you about all the time. Well, what happens when you die? <laughs> what about the judgment? What the second coming? Okay. I didn't tell her that, but this is what I'm thinking, right? Okay, Mom. Yeah, I'll share. And so the day comes, and I, and I hadn't exactly worked out what I was going to say. About three days before, I just cranked out this sermonette. And God brought to mind all the verses that just tied so well together, synchronized. To, to, to condense those three subjects down to like 25 minutes, it's pretty tough. So I, I don't, just God worked it out so well. So I was comfortable with what I was going to share, but I knew the audience. I was going to be speaking in my mom's church. It wasn't a neutral environment. It was my mom's church, my mom's friends, and my, my family that also thinks I'm in a cult. And I thought this is my one opportunity to really witness to them. But how are they going to receive it? So I asked my mom, well, when am I going to speak, mom? Am I like at the beginning? Am I at the end? And she said, 
Well, you're going to speak first, and then I'm going to have my pastor close. Oh, okay. That's good. I'll break down all the biblical truths, and he'll be backpedaling up there like, well, whoa, you know, that's not actually, whoa, this doesn't make sense with what he said. And so I'm thinking this will be fine. And the day comes, and my mom says, you know, we're change plans, actually. He's going to speak first, and then you're going to close. But wait, that's not going to work for me. I don't want to have to go over after him. That's going to be, that's going to be really tough. And so I just trust God, and I say, all right, well, this is obviously how you ordained it. I'm going to orchestrate it the way that you set it up. And so, to my surprise, the pastor doesn't give this typical sermon where we know he's in heaven and he's looking down on us and he's in a better place. It was actually a very nice sermon. It was just about the love of God. And so, I could build on that. Now, my goal wasn't necessarily just to share the truth. You know, yeah, I have an audience there and they're going to hear it and now I've given them light and God can do with it what he wants, right? My goal was I wanted to create dialogue. I wanted someone to come up, come up, oops. I wanted someone to come up to me and want a Bible study. I wanted to be able to witness to someone. And so this was my prayer. So I go up, I give my sermonette, and before I start though, <laughs> you know, it's like a sermon for real. I'm saying, okay, I want everybody to grab their Bible, right? <laughs> they don't have Bibles. So I actually paused. Had had them go grab Bibles from the back. Everybody got Bibles. We're going to use these. And so they all had their Bibles out, and I'm going through the scriptures. I'm building my case. And then when it's all over, I think I made an appeal. And as it's closing, uh, as the service winds down, I'm starting to meet people. And these people are coming up to me. I never met them before. And they're saying, wow, you know, I'm so glad you shared. I never understood the way that you had explained it. It makes so much sense to me. Praise God. Thank you. And so I'm standing there. Are they going to ask questions? Can we do a Bible study, you know? No. They just moved on their way. And this is kind of how it went. And I had two ladies come up to me. Same thing. Really love that. But I got a couple questions. Praise the Lord. What questions? I, asked her, I answered her questions. And then she had more questions. Totally reminded me of me at this moment. I'm like, wow, this is great. Questions, answers, questions, answers. And so at the end of these questions, I said, well, you know, if you're in a hurry, you're more than welcome to leave, but I'd love to share with you some more. And so everyone has kind of started shuffling out, and this is um, foyer area, table set up, food provided. And we're in the middle of the room, these two ladies, and I'm doing a Bible study for two hours. Two-hour Bible study. All my family's there. Friends are there looking on. It was like they weren't even there. I was just tunnel vision. I'm doing a Bible study, you know. And there's times I'm breaking out into tears because I'm sharing these amazing truths that I learned. And, and they're just, you can just tell, just like this is also new to them. And it was, the, it was a great experience. And at the end, I gave her, which you guys should be familiar with, the Daniel 2 Anchor Point Films video. Keep, I keep those in my car. I keep tons of literature in my car. Ran out to my car. You gotta watch this. It's great. And so 
the disappointing, one, oh, disappointing part of it was for me was <clears throat> I shared the truth, right? And you're probably going to run into this sometimes. Shared the truth. I met with my mom about two months later. And, you know, I'm witnessing to her like usual. And then she says, somehow it came out, you know, that was really inappropriate what you did at your dad's memorial service. Why? You asked me to speak. I didn't want to speak. Right. But you didn't need to share that. But you said to talk about whatever I wanted. Right. But how would you feel if I came to your... No, 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 she says, how would you feel if my pastor came to your church and he spoke about the things that we disagree on at your church? I said, that's true. But I'm not a pastor. This is my dad's memorial service. You asked me to speak. And that's, that's just how it has to be. And so she says, well, when you left... The pastor was really upset. Okay, well, the truth hurts, right? And so she says, the next week, he called everybody to the front. He says, who was at uh, my mom's name? Who was at uh, Reed's uh, father's memorial service last week? If you were there, could you please come forward? And he calls them forward, and she, te- she tells me that He doesn't explain anything that I said. He just says, I want you to know that her son believes in soul sleep, and we don't believe that. Period. Thank you. And they walk away. That was it. He just, he just undid, in my mind, he just undid everything I had said by, just because they didn't read their Bible. And I hope that's a lesson that you can take away. You know, you're going to be going possibly to universities where you are going to hear, if you go to Adventist schools, I can guarantee you're going to hear things that aren't true. It's sad, but that's the state of our church. You're going to hear things that aren't true. Your children are going to hear things that aren't true. And the only way, only way you're going to be able to combat it is if you know your Bible, because your faith is going to be checked and questioned all the time. Your faith is going to be just chipped away at unless you know your Bible. And these people, they go to church every Sunday, and I just open up the scriptures. They just came to me and said, wow, that makes so much sense. I can't believe I didn't realize that before. Wow. And now they're told it's not true because we don't believe that way. That's, that's where the condition of the world is. People aren't reading their Bible. And so that was, that was, you know, it was tough for me. My only hope is, is that the seed was planted. And when they read those scriptures again, they're going to come to mind, oh, yeah, that actually makes more sense. So how much time do I have? I have about, what, 10 minutes? <laughs> okay. I'll share a quick. I wasn't going to include this. Um, but I have extra time. So I'm vegan. Two years ago, I had this great idea, right? Two years ago, I was going to change the perspective of people's uh, idea about what a vegan looks like. You talk to someone, you tell them you're vegan, what do they say? Oh, where do you get your protein from? 
you know, how, how do you uh, survive, basically? And so this perception of what a vegan looks like, I wanted to change it. So my idea was, I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to get really, really physically in shape. I'm going to just, people are going to look at me and say, wow, what, you, what are you doing? How are you so fit? And I'm going to, health message, right? Health message, let me tell you all about it, you know? Living epistle, let me tell you all about it. <laughs> and I'm very, in, in the same sense, I'm very kind of dogmatic in the way that I was sharing the health message. And, and forgive me for this, but like I said, when I'm convicted, I'm committed. And so I was committed on sharing it, but I was sharing it inappropriately. And so I was sharing that lifestyle really was the cause of all disease. So if you have diabetes, you know, you're overweight, you, you know, you, you got a tumor, um, you're, you know, you got some sudden illness, you're not feeling well, okay. You know what can solve that? Health message. If you're not doing it, your fault. That's basically my attitude. If you're not changing your diet and you're sick, it's your fault. That's not the right way to look at it. And, and God had to teach me through my own, uh, my own health condition that. One night I woke up after about three months of steadily working out, you know, I'm seeing great results, and I wake up and I have to go to the bathroom. Strange. I don't usually do that. I'm a, I'm a pretty rock, like a rock-solid sleeper. Go to the bathroom. It was, like, it was like I didn't have to go anymore. Like, I went, but it was, the, the amount I avoided was minimal. So I think that's strange. Go back to bed. Instantly, I have to go again. What in the world? Okay. This happened the whole night. I didn't sleep at all. Next day, all day, all I could think about, I gotta go to the bathroom. This is so crazy. I have excruciating pain. It's like I've been holding it for hours, but after I go, I don't feel relief. It's just constant. The next night, the next day, I'm going on 48 hours of not sleeping. I can't exercise. I can barely function. I can't go to work. All I can think about is I go to the bathroom. I can't do like simple math in my head. I'm just thinking, how do I go to the bathroom? I gotta go again. And so I'm freaking out. I go to a clinic. Clinic says, uh, nope, you don't have urinary tract infection. Nope, can't see anything wrong with you. Blood tests, nope, everything's fine. I'm a vegan. What in the world am I going to do to change my lifestyle? I'm drinking distilled water. Okay, I'm gonna try uh, naturopathic remedies because they don't have any idea what's wrong with me. I'm drinking cranberry juice, bottles of it, like downing it like like I'm dying of thirst downing it. Um, I'm looking for other remedies. The broth of broccoli. Now, if, if this, is, this is just something I discovered. It's disgusting, by the way. It is gross. And I was pounding this, you know, pounds of broccoli juice. Um, hydrotherapy. Um, I, I emailed naturopathic doctors that were world-renowned. Australia, Canada, South, South Africa, United States. They had no idea. I went to a specialist, a specialist, a urologist, and what that means is this is where they specialize in their particular field on this particular subject. I got extensive, <laughs> uh, they checked extensively to figure out what was going on. <laughs> okay, you guys can use your medical <laughs> backgrounds if you want. Oh, everything's fine. Okay. I went to another urologist. Nope, can't figure it out. I went to another urologist. Nope, can't figure it out. I'm dying here. Like, this is, I'm at um, a year and a half. I'm, 
it's, it's improved. But I'm waking up, I'm going from waking up about 25 times per night to about 15 times per night to maybe like 10 times a night. And my mind's foggy, I'm exhausted, I'm just, I'm not myself. I'm, I'm, and I'm wondering, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? I'm trying to promote the health message, and I'm getting struck down with health problems. And so, I don't really, I never got an answer from God like a voice from heaven that said, Reed, the reason you're doing this, the reason this is happening is because I never got that. So in my mind, I have to reason this through, and I know that Satan is the cause of, of all, all uh, health ailments. But of the, how many health laws are there? Eight. What's the eighth one? Trusting God. When I was going through my health regimen, my vegan, dogmatic, lifestyle message, that wasn't one I included. My philosophy on health was that if you weren't changing your diet, it's your fault. If you're not vegan, you have yourself to blame. I'm vegan. I'm actually going to be so vegan, I'm going to look the most healthiest vegan you can possibly get. That was my mindset. And now I have this health problem. And so the only thing I can think of is that like Paul, I had a thorn in my side. God was reminding me through a health condition that came out of nowhere. This wasn't like two, three, you know, gradually, you know, problematic things to, to this climax of problems. This is like out of nowhere, I am just gone. I'm just, I can't function. And so as Paul, it was a reminder to me that God is the sustainer and source of all life. He's the source of all truth, and I had to trust in God to see me through. And so because of that, my take on the health message has dramatically changed. Um, I am much more patient and kind to people coming around at their own pace, and it's a reminder to me that even if I am vegan, I'm not doing it to be self-righteous. I'm doing it because that's what God's asked me to do, to take care of my body, and I think that is the best thing to do. And I want to do it to glorify Him. Instead of coming off like, I'm a vegan, you should be a vegan, and if you're not, then you're less of a Christian or something like that. And so, to take, what my takeaway for you all is, Be patient with people as you're sharing the truth. They may not come around right away. As you're sharing the truth, be kind. Be courageous. Be bold in situations where you wouldn't normally do it. And God will be blessing you in the process. And trust in God throughout everything. Um, so that was my testimony. I think I ended perfect timing. And so we will close with a word of prayer. I thank you for everyone who came and suffered through my testimony. All right. Uh, dear Father in heaven, I thank you for giving me the words to speak and the clarity of mind to present um, how you've touched my life. Uh, I know that each person here has a testimony of their own, and I am blessed to hear them. Um, let us be courageous for you. Let us be reminded daily of our need for you. And uh, let your Holy Spirit dwell in our hearts and our, in our minds that we may represent to the world what it means to be a Christian, not only in word, but in deed. And we ask that you would do all these things 
as we know that you would like to do in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.